fellow travellers and welcome to Podcast 91 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Now this week, as uh, as we promised in last week's podcast, we will be addressing uh, one of our listeners' questions about Italy and uh, what the best things are to see if you have a week to go there. But for those in the travel industry or travel business, COP26 was not the only show in town. In a different town, there was the World Travel Market. Uh, You've been there, I know, Simon, and uh, it's an extraordinary place where the world and all its wonders are condensed and squeezed into a huge building in East London. Um, An aircraft hangar of a building, or maybe half a dozen aircraft hangars. It certainly takes a very long time to walk from one end to the other. Anyway, you were there, as I said, and recording your presence into the bargain. Opening day of World Travel Market 2021. The first opportunity for the UK's travel industry to come together in Excel, the exhibition centre in East London, in order to sign lots of deals, meet lots of people from across the world. It's a scaled down event this year, the first one for two years, and an awful lot of it seems to be dominated by Spain. And they have had a pretty tough 18, 20 months, of course, but now they are coming back in force and they have also brought some extraordinary slogans which I would love to share with you. After so many cancelled plans, the billboard here says, you deserve to experience some unique moments. You deserve Spain and you deserve Spain is plasters everywhere. The Canary Islands um, has a number of slogans, including latitude of life and come to the other winter. Come to the other winter. An interesting one there. And a couple more. Open for holidays is the slogan for Ibiza. Fairly blunt, I guess. And, oh, one more. Coffee. Pay here. Oh, no. That's where you pay for your coffee. Well, did you have to pay for your coffee? What I remember about the WTM was that uh, there was any amount of free coffee, free tea, free alcohol available. Uh, Well, things have changed a bit, Mick. Um, I got a date at the Israeli stand um, of, of the... That's an uh, edible one. I uh, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and everything else was, was kind of fairly uh, thin on the ground instead of catering. Um, this is, after all, post-COVID and the travel industry has been decimated by coronavirus. But what hasn't changed, I suppose, is the very odd and skewed version of the world that you get if you go to the world travel market. There are very large stands which um, represent tiny countries uh, and uh, tiny stands which represent huge countries. And there's no kind of uh, correlation, really, between the um, the magnificence of the stands and the uh, number of tourists, <laughs> other than perhaps the case of Spain, which you mentioned. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. 
at Saudi Arabia, about which we have talked at length over the past few podcasts, was there in abundance. Um, it really dominated the show. Uh, they had they had a stand which looked like um, an Arabian palace had had been plonked down in the middle of um, uh, Excel in East London, and uh, just just lots of of, of colour of, of 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 sound. The whole idea that they were opening up Arabia to the world. Now, clearly, um, they've got a bigger budget than most countries. And so, for example, well, lots of people didn't simply didn't show up. Um, normally, uh, Russia uh, has some huge presence there. They, they were uh, notable by their absence, as far as I could uh, make out. And you have um, Japan, okay, in the very, very odd position of banning tourists. And actually, this week, that changes uh, for business travelers but it doesn't change for tourists saying please come to japan but not yet and adjacent to that was the maldives probably on a very similar scale despite the huge disparity in population and i must say appeal to the traveler well i love the slogans that you found and uh, i remember a cracker from a couple of years ago um from uh, Vilnius in uh, lithuania which um, advertised itself as the g spot of europe <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they, they uh, that, that uh, certainly wasn't uh, tried this time around. The, the former Soviet Union was pretty thin on the ground. Besides uh, uh, Russia, I couldn't see any sign of Belarus. Form, famous slogan, your new birthday is here. Um, but there were a, a good good few attempts at some, some uh, uh, slogans. Um, so, for example, Israel, of course, the land of creation, as well as the place to get a free date. Um, Montenegro has wild beauty. And a bit, bit of a skirmish could be blowing up, I think, between Greece, um, where all you want is Greece, apparently, and Genoa in Italy, which is all you ever wanted. Uh, so yeah, no, the, the slogan writers have not been have not been uh, uh, idle during lockdown. <laughs> and presumably, there were plenty of prizes uh, given out. I think the uh, the world travel market loves to uh, congratulate itself, doesn't it? Well, there were plenty of awards at the Wonderlust uh, Travel Awards. Um, um, for which our our friend Lynn Hughes, friend of the program, was was responsible. Um, that was uh, actually staged away from East London. Would you believe in Kensington Palace? Yes, oh. there, oh. and that that was um, uh, fairly exciting. And now you're going to ask me who won what? Um, who won what? <laughs> who won no, what? Go on then. Who who won uh, what? <laughs> right, that's a very very good question. I'm just looking it up. I um uh, I, I, I was. Did you uh, win I, anything? Surely uh, the big no, question. No, for no, us no. Is... I did. I didn't actually win anything, but I did. Um, yeah, hang on, hang on. I'm just, I'm going to get there. I, I, I won the opportunity to introduce the Guide of the Year Award, um, which oh, I did, and they were yeah. very good. Um, and and please don't, uh, please don't press me for who exactly they were, but obviously they've had a pretty tough time, yeah, um, sure. uh, as you can imagine. Oh, and that that's um, things things are uh, right. Is here that a cat? No, it, it sounded like an animal of some sort, but I'm. Oh, I think it's a dog. I think I'm, I'm I'm sitting quietly in a corner at Heathrow. I can't actually see what's Heathrow. going on. Heathrow, Heathrow, uh, yes. A, he, oh gosh, like it sounds. Um, it sounds weirdly like that scene from Airplane, if you remember, yes. uh, when uh, 
two people with dogs in their yes. <laughs> illegally in their uh, suitcases meet and the suitcases suddenly start to um wagging and barking <laughs> crikey yes i also wanted to ask you about the the fun and games it sounds as though there there, there wasn't as much there this year as there usually is uh, exactly right um none of your kind of drop your business card in a jar and win a yacht um that that, that was uh, fairly thin on the ground as were all the um uh, great in- excitements including um some sporting action which um uh, people are still talking mick about your uh, amazing performance on the crazy golf circuit in abu dhabi or rather the bit of east london that was devoted to that golf state um just two years ago I gather I can um, have a go at a game of golf here. Exactly. There's a game of mini golf here, and if you hit it in three tries, then you will win a prize. Can I ask what the prize might be? It might motivate me. So the prize is actually at the golf course in Abu Dhabi, uh, an experience there. Okay, thank you very much. Well, let's see what happens. Okay. What's the winning score so far? That's two. That's three. It's come back exactly to what. Oh, I say this is. Uh... Well, what do you think? Well, you're very close there with almost getting it in on the last hit. I almost got it out of the United Arab Emirates and into. Um, <laughs> what's up next? Up? Dubai. Dubai. <laughs> that would be the one. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Bye. <laughs> and you. Well, of course, I didn't win that term golf experience in uh, Abu Dhabi. But uh, I I was really rather surprised to find that uh, the Gulf states uh, are actually um, awash with uh, greens and fairways and also cricket pitches. Uh, It's amazing what you can do with enough water and enough money, Mick. How true. And I suppose that um, making the deserts bloom in this way is something that COP26 uh, might have had uh, something to say about. Uh, exactly. It's um, there, there was a, a, a lot of heed played to the environment uh, in the world travel market. How much of it will actually result in action um, remains to be seen, as does the so much else that's come out of Glasgow and COP26, of course. Yeah, well, of course, the uh, main purpose at both of these uh, events is talking and in the case of the WTM, uh, selling and uh, marketing. But uh, who, who, who did you manage to catch up with? Well, I was really interested that um, there was a large Latin American presence and including um, people who had um, been on the so-called red list until 4 a.m. on the first morning of the uh, of world travel market and i was i was wondering how they they got there and um i actually went along to the panamanian stand a country that you and i uh, know and indeed um love and uh, had a word with them and it turned out of course that um uh, they they hadn't um all suddenly jetted in uh, to arrive just in time um that they'd actually uh uh, well, there was somebody from the embassy um, and also a chap who'd been working at the uh, the, the Panamanian tourism business in um, Madrid. And so they had both made it. And in particular, I spoke to Panama's tourism attache in London. And this is Monique Vega. Well, Panama has got a lot to offer. It's a country full of contrasts. You would have an exciting 
old city together with a very exciting cosmopolitan city and within minutes only you can be deep in the jungle going from tree to tree having a look at bird watching Panama's got more bird species than US and Canada together we're an incredibly uh, biodiversity country we've got pristine beaches from Pacific to Atlantic and, and parts of the Caribbean and in Panama you can experience direct contact with indigenous tribes which will take you in immersive experiences culturally and they'll host you like you are their own guests which is quite important to us we really are investing in our communities uh, and is there any truth in the suggestions which come up from time to time that an autopista, a, a motorway, is going to be built through to Colombia? Well, I, I think that every, every day there is a closer and closer to reveal the truth about that. And I actually can't reveal very much, but uh, it is exciting and a lot is happening in Panama in terms of development and connectivity. I could leave it till there for now. <laughs> Fantastic. And just tell me about your slogan. What is it and what does it mean? Panama Live for More. It's all about experiencing uh, a new way of travel, a more conscious travel. We want you to truly have a new sense of, of uh, the country through its people, through its community, and to really live not just a destination, but an experience. Oh, well, that's really interesting. I do think that something that Monique didn't mention, which I found absolutely brilliant when I went to uh, Panama uh, a few years ago, was the uh, Bio Museum, the Bio Museo, which is outside Panama City on the Amador Causeway, which is one of the entrances to the canal, obviously the Pacific uh, gateway, as it were, to the Panama Canal. Wonderful views of the ships uh, making their way uh, up to the first lock, um, but also an extraordinary building, which is designed by the extremely famous and creative architect Frank Gehry, whose wife, I think, is actually Panamanian. Uh, and he really pulled out all the stops for the Bio Museo. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, colourful jumble of what looked like children's toys sort of scattered on this um, uh, strip of uh, flat land. And when you go inside it, 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 it tells you the, the, the history of Panama and explains why it's such an incredible reservoir of birds and plants and trees and animals, all due to the fact that uh, in um, times past, it rose up out of the sea to form this bridge between North and South uh, uh, America. And also, of course, became another kind of bridge between the Pacific and the Atlantic. Extraordinary. I can't wait to get there. It's now fully 21 years since I was last in Panama and it is calling me. I, I'm sure that's uh, what I can hear in the background. Um, but again, as, as discussed last week, uh, Panama, uh, absolutely uh, extraordinary, very diverse and very good fun country. Now, we've obviously got to talk about the elephant in the exhibition centre, uh, which is climate change. I mean, was there very much uh, talk of climate awareness and how it's going to affect travel at, uh, at, at the Excel centre? There was lots and lots of talk, Mick, about what people 
are planning to do in the travel industry to reduce the impact of their journeys. Uh, there was quite a lot of talk about um, the exciting things that could be happening in aviation, certainly in terms of electric planes or hydrogen powered aircraft. But uh, then guess who turns up on a, 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 um, a, a, at least virtually, it's good old Michael O'Leary from Ryanair, all his sole concession to to uh, climate change in an airline which he plans to effectively double in scale in the next five years. He just said, by 2030, we will be using 10% sustainable aviation fuel. Although he does point out that the brand new Boeing 737 MAX aircraft that they've got, they've managed to squeeze an extra eight seats in. Yes, it's the same sized aircraft. Don't ask. Um, And furthermore, um, they uh, say that this... Uh, consumes far less fuel, makes less noise, carries more people, and therefore they've done their bit for the planet, haven't they? So no suggestion of a slowdown in that kind of vogue, really, which which had certainly taken hold before COVID, which was, uh, oh, I've got a spare weekend. Uh, where can we fly to? Uh, well, I, th- I think actually we will see that that slightly decrease. But of course, it all depends. You've got uh, Ryanair and its now growing, growing rival, Wizz Air, uh, who are effectively um, fighting it out for market share. They're cutting fares as low, low as they need to be in order to get people on board, which um, a lot of people would say is exactly what we don't need at the moment um so let, let's just see what happens and of course we very very much want uh, welcome our lovely listeners thoughts on climate change and travel you can uh, of course get in touch through twitter at you should have bt or leave us an audio message at uh, anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and follow the instructions to leave us your dulcet tones Ah, well, this takes us on neatly to our listener's question and indeed our pledge, if I can use that word, to answer (laughs) said question. Here it is anyway. Hi, Mick and Simon. Uh, I was just wondering if you might be able to help me out with some travel advice. Um, I've got a week's holiday in mid-November and my partner and I were thinking of going to Italy. Um, We don't know it very well um, and we're particularly interested in going to Tuscany. Um, and the idea was potentially to fly to Pisa or Florence and then travel up to Bologna, finishing in Venice and then flying back. We're quite keen to get trains after some slightly traumatic driving experience in Sicily last time we did go to Italy. Um, and was wondering if you thought this might be feasible or the, the best way to go about it. Uh, any advice would be great. Thank you. Well, armed with Silas's question, I went in search of the Italian stand, which in the odd geography of world travel market was in the European section, but to the extreme northwest. Um, And I tracked down Maria Elena Rossi, who is the marketing director for the Italian Tourist Board. Yes. Well, first of all, it's excellent to get into Pisa because you can visit this beautiful city, the cultural city, and but then you should definitely go to Florence, um, not only because the city of Florence is beautiful, but because, as I said, in Florence at the moment, the Uffizi Gallery is also offering the opportunity 
to uh, let's say not only visit the gallery but but also stroll around and there is an excellent railway system in Italy and in Tuscany which can connect you from Florence to the small areas around but also it can connect you first of all to go to Bologna so in Bologna you will get in one in half an hour in with a high-speed train and Bologna is one of let's say a second tier city we can consider it culturally speaking but it's a beautiful city which just has been um, um, uh, quoted from UNESCO as a, as a word heritage uh, heritage site thanks to the its kilometers of arcades which uh, allow you to visit the whole city even if it rains a little bit in in, in Bologna and it's it's um, a beautiful medieval town that was actually its golden years where during the medieval town but and with wonderful pieces of art and museums and it's the city of the towers and it's a city also of the best food that you can ever expect of course in uh, in Italy especially pastas are are very very special from Bologna again very easy you get in one and a half hour to Milano and Milano uh, is probably our most vibrant city at the moment very uh, wonderful nightlife the city of fashion of design uh, also the city of uh, um, Leonardo and and therefore again you can combine lifestyle with museums uh, with design uh, and and then from there again with your high-speed train you go to Venice and uh, well Venice <laughs> is uh, is just closing now it's a biennale of architecture, so it's just, you know, the, the, the six beautiful months of architecture all over the city uh, spread, but it remains um, with a little bit of uh, fog and a little bit of, uh, um, let's say, beautiful uh, short, short days, so um, with a lot of lights, the evening lights in Venice and strolling around in Venice at night with fog is probably one of the most uh, romantic, beautiful um, experiences you can, you can have and have a chiquetto and have some seafood with uh, Prosecco wine in one of the baccari of the city is really, really nice. And then you go and you fly your way, you've got your week and I think you loved it. <laughs> That's a very nice uh, programme of travel from Maria Elena. Uh, would, would you do something similar, Simon? I was quite surprised with what Maria told me because um, she was very keen on high-speed trains. Now, they are marvellous if you need to get around Italy quickly. But if you're a tourist, then you probably don't. You probably want to look out the window. And I've done uh, exactly um, what she says, Florence to Bologna on a high-speed train and it's very very effective yes it's only half an hour but it's a very dull half hour because almost all of it is spent in a tunnel um as opposed to the uh wonderful kind of going slightly around the houses and over the hills and yeah. far away um train which is uh, not only um a lot more pleasant and you'll see a lot more it's also uh, uh quite a lot cheaper so if you've got time to do it and also i i, I think the notion of whizzing halfway across the um the top of italy to go to milan is um uh, i i would say a questionable 
uh, venture. I love Milan, but um, it would be a bit like um, kind of basing yourself in, I don't know, Cornwall and then thinking, well, I'd love to go to South Wales. Let's have a look. So um, anyway, uh, I, I would um, stick with the idea of slow train over the hills to Bologna and, and then meandering through up to um, Padua and uh uh, the, the, its many glories and just taking it slowly and um, happily all the way to Venice. I think the uh, the Milan diversion wouldn't be on my list. No, although um, Rebecca, Rebecca Halpern, who is uh, one of our uh, regular listeners, uh, did send us a message um, with a few thoughts on the topic of Italy. And she actually says that uh, Milan is the one place that she would definitely go to if she could only choose one, because uh, although it uh, may not have the beautiful landscapes of Tuscany, the grandeur of Rome or the romance of Venice, it does have lots of impressive buildings and also a feeling of modernity and, and sort of moving forward into the future, which can be lacking in other parts of Italy. So she liked the trams, which weren't just a tourist attraction but uh, it's a part of everyday transport and then um, she liked the very modern metro lines including the ones with driverless trains the innovative buildings such as the Bosco Verticale which is an apartment block covered in foliage and the railway station which is actually Milano Centrale is, is a spectacular station isn't it if you're going to be delayed somewhere that is a good place to be delayed uh, it it, it is. Can I just mention, if, if if you're in central Milan and you think, I'd love to go to Milano Centrale, um, allow plenty of time. It's not. It is Milano, but it's not very Centrale. <laughs> that is also very true. Um, before we go, I've got a couple of um, rival suggestions for how to spend a week in Italy without actually doing so much travel. Um, one would be actually just to stay in Florence. I mean, you can uh, fly to Pisa, which is often a lot cheaper than flying to Florence, but uh, you can happily spend a week in Florence and you can take day trips out. You can walk out to uh, Fiesole, for example, which uh, features very heavily in a room with a view um, you can also go to uh, Siena very easily on the train um, with its beautiful central square San Gimignano with its amazing um, uh, towers and great food you could even walk uh, if you had uh, four or five days uh, down the Via Romea del Chianti from Florence to Siena. Uh, It is actually a long distance walk. And although the first chunk of it is a long road, once you get to um, San Andrea in Percusina, uh, where there is a fantastic place to stay, the Villa Machiavelli, which is in fact the old house of the devious old uh, plotter. (laughs) And you can actually stay there and eat extremely well. Um, And then you carry on across the hills, uh, across the vine-clad hills to Siena. And the whole walk takes sort of four days Um, and then one other quick thing uh, if you actually had five days uh, and let's say it's a day of traveling each side so that's a week why not fly to um, uh, Genoa Genova and take a train up the coast and walk between the five astonishing villages of the Cinque Terre Uh, it's it's about a 
12-hour walk up and down along the coast, but you can break it up uh, into stages and stay at each of the five villages, Rio, Rio Maggiore, uh, Manarola, Cornelia, Monterosso, Almare, and Vernazza. And they are all very, very different. There's different specialities, different things to eat. They look different, and it is absolutely wonderful. They all have a sort of um, Cornish fishing village um, vibe to them. Um, and although they are quite expensive, there's fantastic uh, local pesto. There's some amazing wine called uh, Chaquetra, which is, a, if I remember rightly, a kind of golden white wine, and uh, and fresh anchovies and uh, ice cream made of honey. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> well, I think... Uh there is a job waiting for you at uh, the Italian Tourist Board in Rome and I will ask Maria Elena Rossi uh, if she would like to see your CV. I'm sure we'd all love to uh, see that. Now yeah. look, Mick, um, I hate to um, uh, call time on our, our discussions, but um, uh, I am fully aware of the uh, uh, long walk from where I am to where my plane is, so if I may, I will uh, uh, hasten myself to, uh, to Canada, uh, which I'm fairly confident of reaching not so sure about getting into the u.s but um uh, hopefully next uh, time we talk i will be able to answer any questions about travel to the u.s and indeed uh, the rest of north america so if you've got any at you should have bt will get us on twitter or go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there but now from me simon calder racing for the gate at heathrow and me, Mick Webb, uh, sitting by my computer in uh, Streatham, South London. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.